rugby and mental health are two things that often don't come up in the same conversation. One rugby player who recently retired from the sport is seeking to change that. Guy Thompson began his career with the Jersey Reds in 2011 before going on to play for top-level clubs like the Wasps, Leicester Tigers and Ealing Trailfinders. He returned to play with the Reds for one final season in 2021. Since 2015, he's been an ambassador for Loose Heads, an organisation and clothing brand working to fight the stigma around mental health in rugby. The charity is seeking to place a mental health lead into every rugby club around the world and give them the resources to improve the mental health of people around them. Guy spoke to me about what challenges players can face, especially from a young age, and how he's helping to raise awareness that boys do cry, and there are people who can help. So you retired in May 2022, um, but you've been an ambassador for Loose Heads for many years. That's an organisation which works to fight issues of stigma with mental health. And that led you to give a talk during Mental Health Awareness Week. How did you get involved with that organisation? Uh, with Loose Heads, it was around about a year after a close friend of mine passed away mm -hmm. uh, through suicide. And it was, a, it was a tough time for everybody sort of in and around that area who was a rugby player as well. So it, it kind of fitted into this whole purpose and reason. Um, I was playing for Wasps at the time with a player called Tom Cruise and he had already become an ambassador for Loose Heads and he had started seeing the work that they were doing through a guy called Rob Shotton who he knew previously. Um, and then I reached out to them. I said to them that what they were doing I thought was incredible and I asked if I could help out in any particular way. They came back immediately and then rather than just helping out, I offered to be an ambassador and, and I've done a lot of work with them over the last sort of five, six, seven, eight years. Um, what they do is incredible and to have an opportunity to help in my tiny, small way is really important. And what work do you do as part of that? So first of all, when they first reached out, we looked at just doing, it was just social media interaction. So they have a target and an aim to get a loose head in every single rugby club, first of all in the country and then the world. What they mean by a loose head is somebody that is there for the players or the people in and around that area just to talk to and just to be a point of contact uh, and to move them forward. Uh, so the work we used to do was social interaction, social media was raising awareness in and around this, was trying to build their brand and establish them. And what they've actually now been able to go on to do, they've played charity football matches, rugby matches, uh, they sell merchandise to try and fund the charity in order to, to provide this for people. But we also go out there and do huge amounts of public speaking, public awareness. We run campaigns online and within the media just to try and break the taboo uh, subject around this men's masculinity in sport and mental health and, and that genre. You've had a professional career. What mental health struggles have you had while being a professional athlete? Because it sounds like you've had teammates, you've had friends who struggled with this. What are these challenges that you face? Yeah, it's an interesting question because coming through my career, I've seen a massive change in mental health as a whole. So probably younger went through some issues without really understanding that was to do with mental health, you know, such as growing up, uh, having tempers or feeling anxious around scenarios that I wasn't comfortable in. All, all this kind of manifests itself within physical 
mannerisms such as nerves or, or excitement in some cases. What I really established was I understood that as people and especially rugby players in my environment were going through the stage of their career, it would affect different people in different ways. Now, this could manifest itself with anything such as bills, uh, family, anything that a normal person would would, would, um, would undertake. But then when you get into a rugby environment, when you're around 30 or 40 other men, and it's this camaraderie, this big, strong, masculine environment, you then start going through feelings of anxiousness when it comes to team selection, when it comes to annual reviews, when it comes to, to preparation for matches, when it comes to media, when it comes to crowd, all these different areas of this professional environment that you are designed to, to peak at a weekend and be excellent within your sport starts chipping away at you and it starts making you feel anxious about scenarios. I knew boys that would really struggle before games, but as soon as the whistle went, they were okay. Then I knew boys that were so petrified about going into team meetings, about team selections, that they would actively try and be in the physio room until the team was already out. Now, all this, all these factors would contribute to having this negative perception of their job or their role. Now, we understand that playing a sport for a living is lucky and we're very thankful for it. But at the same time, you have to enjoy it as a rugby player. And unfortunately, a lot of these areas would start making boys doubt what they were doing. They didn't enjoy it. They couldn't get themselves up for games. And, and, and this negative mental health issues would start taking over their being, would start taking over their performance, would start taking over sort of they didn't want to be there. Uh, and then once we started establishing this, as I went through my career, there was more people that were there to help. Leicester Tigers, for example, had a sports psychologist that was there that would come in and talk to the boys. They were the first club I saw that really did that. Wasps had a player development coach come in. It was an ex-player called Chris Bell. Chris was employed by Wasps, not for the mental health side of things, but he, he was employed by Wasps to help boys look further than a rugby career. So that kind of started eliminating boys' anxious risk of around what do they do post-rugby. So there, there are these little incentives and these initiatives that clubs are starting to do now, and I, I think they are getting better. I certainly got better through my career. However, I don't know how much is being done now and, and how much more can we do, because I do think there's a huge amount. Some really interesting points there. We wanted to talk especially about at a young age. It can obviously <laughs> be quite a pressurised environment. What was the academy process like? This can mean that young players face a lot of pressure quite early in their lives, financial pressure as well. Is that something you experienced or that you've seen? It's massive. Um, when you are young and you are coming through an academy system, I did it between the ages of sort of 16 and 18, then went to university and then came back to the academy system. So I saw it in two different aspects of my life. I saw it as a young 16 to 18 year old that had never known anything but rugby. And then I saw it after I'd been to university where I'd experienced a little bit more and I was a little bit more open to things. So when you're in the age of sort of 16 to 18 or playing, I guess, Herefordshire County when I was younger, all you think about is rugby 24-7 and you can't imagine a world where you're not playing that as a career. The pressure on children now is even greater because, and I don't think it's right, but parents can put their children in positions now where they think, oh, rugby is actually quite well paid. Oh, there's, a, there's an opportunity for them to go. I'm going to push them. I'm going to push them. It, you've got to find this happy barrier where you push your children enough, but at the same time, you let them kind of find their own feet. My mum, my I'm very thankful, was very good at that. She gave me the opportunities, but let me go out and do it on my own. So I didn't feel any mental health issues or, or, or pressure when I was between 16 and 18. I went off to, I got offered a contract. Everything was quite easier. I was relatively good growing up, put a lot of work in, put a lot of effort in. And then I went off to university for three years where I started again. 
I didn't go into the first team at university straight away. I played for the freshers team and I loved it. I had no pressure. I was playing with some friends that I just met, moved up. And then we had the excellence training at UIC where it started going a little bit more serious. And then we took it more seriously. And then those pressures would start come again. But I won't say those pressures were a bad thing. Those pressures were what made us. Those pressures were what enabled us to go and compete. When I moved then out of the university into Gloucester Academy, I then started to see the pressure of the younger guys again. They were skipping out on university lectures to come train in. They were missing out on probably life's bigger picture in order to try and sacrifice everything for this potential job that could get taken away from them at any opportunity. It got taken away from me at the end of that year and, and I was pretty distraught and I was in a position where that's when I probably had my first bout of anxiousness or mental health issues when I didn't make it I didn't know where I was going but just seeing how the environment had changed on my perception from 16 to 18 to then 21 22 just goes to show as you get a little bit older you get to witness what's going on in that environment a little bit more it's a tough one it, it really is but it's all how you deal with it yourself and and what opportunities can these clubs do to help the younger generation have the opportunity to compete, but also the opportunity to grow as a person inside and outside of rugby. And I think now with these changes, we consider mental health, physical health as part of a package. Is that something you've seen change as well? Yeah, definitely. I'm huge that they go hand in hand. I think that people don't compete in sport, get stuck in a cycle where if they're not exercising, they don't release the right endorphin levels or they don't release the correct chemical toxins within their brains, which, which gives them the highs. And they have to go and find those from somewhere else. Now, naturally, we'll, we'll discover these from doing physical activity or fitness. Unfortunately, now you can also get them from food. And, and this is where the issue then kind of falls in about people being unhealthy because they're in a rut. And if they get stuck in this rut or this unhealthy area, they then find it harder to go and exercise or have no confidence. I don't know what the answer is, but I do believe sport is massive at being able to turn people's mindsets around. It gives them something to focus on. It gives common goals. It gives them people to associate and and to be interactive with. All these small wins add up to a greater win, which is changing someone's perception that might be stuck in something that is a bit negative. And can that pressure um, difficulty with mental health affect the physical health as well, that aspect too? Is that all part of the same same equation here? Yeah, I think so. I think without going into sort of too much detail or, or research around it, if you can get out there and and be physically active, great. If you can't because you are suffering with anxiety or you're suffering with mental health, then that's an issue in itself and that's something very different because there are times and, and I've got friends and I have family and they have been in this scenario where when you are feeling low and you are struggling, you don't want to go out and see anyone. You don't want to go out and compete. You don't want to go out to sport. I've seen it in professional sport and if it affects a professional sportsman where that is their job and that's what they want to do, but they get to a point where they, do, they feel that they can't go out the house, then I, I can't even imagine how hard it is for people that don't have that release, that when they do physical activity or sport, this is their choice to do this. They're not made to, they're not paid to. So if they're feeling in a situation where they're really run down or they're really struggling with their mental health and anxiety, what tools are there at their disposal in order to get them up and get them out? So we've been talking about pressure and prepping young people for going into that pressurised environment. You mentioned as well, um, you've got to prepare them for what happens after, for a life after rugby. How have you been dealing with that now that you're retired? How has your mental health journey gone? Yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's not always easy. And if I sat here and smiled on my face and said it was the easiest thing in the world, I'd be lying. Um, but I've been relatively lucky in the things that I've done and the people I've been around. I played in Jersey 
12, 13 years ago with some of my closest friends that were all semi-professional and a little bit older. I saw what rugby was like outside of a professional game. So I always knew rugby was a short career. I always knew wherever I went, I had to make sure that I enjoyed what I did and I and I would plan and prep what I was doing post-rugby. As my career went, I left Jersey, had a great five years at Wasp, two years at Leicester Tigers was amazing. And then when I got to the end of Leicester Tigers with COVID, I started realising, okay, a contract got taken away from me that, had, that was on the table. I was halfway through a Masters. I was now starting to think, right, what is the next step? And this was mid-COVID, rugby teams weren't really employing people. And I then started planning, right, where do I want rugby to take me and how do I want to end? How, how do I want this journey to finish and where do I want it to finish in order to set my life up? When you play rugby, you don't play rugby to earn money. You don't play rugby it for any other reason except you absolutely love the game because otherwise you wouldn't do it. it, it it's not glamorous and it, it's tougher than people think. So all I had to do was realise I had to make rugby work for me one more time. So I planned my, I planned my next couple of years Ealing were, were amazing. They, I had a chat with, with the DOR. They signed me and they agreed to pay for my second year of my master's, which, which was a huge incentive for me to go join them. I played for Ealing for a year, had another opportunity, but I played against Jersey. I realised my plan was always to come back to Jersey. My dad's from here. My family's from here. I feel that this is my home and I, and I love this island. And I didn't feel right playing against Jersey rugby team, the team that gave me an opportunity all those years ago. So... I then started planning after I, I chatted to Ealing and, and I started chatting to Harvey Bilge on then and, and I managed to navigate my way back to the island for another year or two years. What was really tough for me last year was realising that I wasn't in a position physically to do what my brain wanted to do. Um, I was 36 years old. I was getting towards the end of my professional career and I couldn't compete at the level which I was expecting myself to compete. That was hard. That was really hard. But thankfully, I'd already started planning my, not exit, because I think exit's wrong. I, I was always starting to plan my next steps. I'd already gone out and met lots of people. Jersey's an amazing place for networking. And it's an amazing place to go and speak to anybody because they are willing to help. And, and the opportunities there were huge. By about March or April time, I'd had to chat with Harvey Biljon. And I kind of let him know that my, my plans were to retire. He understood. It, it was a tough conversation, but he understood why I was retiring. And I managed to network an opportunity out. So I then took a couple months off after rugby before I got into a job and I, and I started working for, for a wealth management firm called LGT in, in Jersey now. And it's been incredible. I've been in there sort of 10, 11 months. I've got an amazing CEO who understood what it was like for me transitioning out from sport. He gives me amazing training in the office. He gives me probably a little bit of leeway to, to go out to the gym and, and train because that to me is really, really important. And at the same time, it's just an environment where I feel comfortable to grow and one to, to really throw everything into. So as far as my transition has gone, I planned it very early. The people that I think really struggle with transition are the people that have to end abruptly through injury or concussion or the people that haven't put the effort in beforehand to really make an effort and understand that they have to have another career post-rugby. That's not always the case. There's a lot of boys that make an effort, make a plan and still struggle. But the, the idea is to try and minimalise the impact as much as possible by doing as much work as you possibly can. Lucet is incredible. They've got a great network of people that if, if you are struggling, you go chat to, chat to Rob or, or chat to one of the Lucet ambassadors. We'll put you in touch with the right people that you can open up to have conversations with and see if we can find a route to help.
Great, I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Thank um, you. So talking about aftercare more generally, something we wanted to ask about was um, one of the clubs you've played for in the past has folded. And we are yeah. interested to know what support is there for players who no longer have that contract or that team that they've poured their heart and soul into? Yeah, so that that's obviously a very upsetting scenario in a whole. Like, And now we're seeing it with Worcester, who was my first ever club. Wasps, obviously my main club and then we're seeing it at the moment with London Irish there, there, there's there's issues in and around rugby and and it's easy from the outset for people to say oh well you know rugby this rugby that they'll be okay but that's probably about 40 players per squad that's 120 players from three clubs that are going to be out of work that's just the player side people forget the security guards the ticket sales the media the marketing the coaches the physios you know anybody the team manager anybody so you're looking at all hundreds of people per team you're looking at probably five six hundred people that's going to be out of work now because of this scenario that should never happen a professional club should never go bust like this it should be run like a business and emotion should be taken out of it run like a business so it can survive and the emotion can be done between the white lines on the field the real tough scenario now is it's kind of unprecedented to what help is there for these players one day they go to training the next day they're unemployed now, luckily for a lot of the Wasp and Worcester players, Japan and France picked up a lot of contracts. Championship teams picked up a lot of contracts. But where does everyone else go? Coaches, physios, media, marketing. All these people are suddenly out of a job and there's not that much employment around at the moment. Like It's a very, very tough scenario for everyone. As far as the players go, the RPA did as much as they possibly can. They they, they reached out and they, and they tried to help them. I, I don't know what exact services they offered but I know that they were in and around those conversations the same as they were during COVID when we were all asked to take pay cuts the RPA stepped in and, and, and tried to help the boys out there but also I know Looseheads have stepped up massively and, and offered their services to any rugby player that needed to help needed to talk now from some pretty terrible dark times huge opportunities can arise and some players have gone on I use Jack Willis as an example Jack has gone on he, he was a wasp boy through and through and loved that club he's unfortunately made redundant, he's now found himself in Toulouse in France playing for one of the best teams in the world. Amazing for Jack. What about when the other players then doesn't get a job? So careers were either cut short or opportunities arose depending on who you were. Unfortunately, there's not that many rugby jobs around. So a lot of players had to then quickly find themselves more employment. And what I mentioned earlier about the people that will struggle will be the people that end abruptly and don't have a choice or a say in it. Well, that's those boys that we really need to focus on and those people that need the help that Looseheads and the RPA have been providing. It's really interesting that we're having these conversations. Mm. I think the idea that rugby is quite a traditional sport. So have you had struggles talking about this in terms of when it comes to masculinity? Is that something that's come up in your discussions with this idea of, you know, the boys don't cry attitude? Is that something that you've you've sort of come across in your career and also now as you try and change mental health attitudes in rugby? Yeah, I can tell you boys do cry. <laughs> um, they, they, they really do. And... The whole point of the reason why I've been doing these talks in for Looseheads uh, is to raise awareness. It was Mental Health Week and Katie from Santander Caf asked me, look, she knows I'm an ambassador for Looseheads. Would I mind just standing up, talking a little bit about my career, how it affected me and what the processes are for the next step? Really generic, really general, bit of a snapshot, but it works. These real life stories and these real life examples of how a masculine big rugby player that is perceived to be a barbaric sport and doesn't have any emotions they struggle as well 
the, these players struggle as well. They might struggle in slightly different ways and they might struggle in silence, but they have definitely been struggling for a numerous amount of years, probably ever since rugby's went professional or even before. But they had no out and they had no outlet for them to go talk to and they had nobody to understand. And to be fair, they probably didn't understand they were going through it themselves. Until somebody starts raising the awareness, until somebody starts trying to break down this taboo subject of this stigma that is around it, that you boys can't talk and, you know, you're supposed to be a man and all these these sayings which which are awful, then then these boys and these men will still suffer. The great thing is now is people are willing to listen and people are willing to talk about their emotions. I, I know plenty of rugby boys that go on to podcasts. I know plenty that do campaigns that work with loose heads that do it on their own. And, and there's other mental health charities out there as well that they're just willing to put their hand up and explain, yes, I've suffered. And if that can help one other person make a phone call, then amazing. On the back of my talk uh, a couple of years ago, four or five pretty close friends from where I was from in Hereford reached out to me, told me they'd been struggling. I put them in touch with loose heads. They got some counseling, spoke to them a couple of years later and they, they were on the road to recovery or they were feeling better about themselves. Cause I don't think you're ever cured. I just think you learn tools that will work for you. The fact that just some of these talks can help one or two people, it makes it all worthwhile. And if every single person can go out there and be open and be honest about it, it creates an environment where more people are willing to accept help and ask for help. And that's probably the biggest area where we, need, where we all need to improve on in sport and normal life. Given those barriers and those attitudes about masculinity, we wanted to ask if you had any advice for people who maybe wanted to talk about this or they knew someone who was going through it, but they didn't quite know how to approach that conversation, which might seem quite difficult. Do you have any advice for people on that? Yeah, look, look it's really, really hard because... I think when you first see one of your friends or you see one of your family members and you understand that you can see that they're struggling, how you approach that topic or how you approach that subject is really tough because a lot of people will go defensive. A lot of people will go in their shell, no, I'm fine. Yep, fine, walk away. There is no quick fix or no cure around that. It's just about keep continually trying to engage with them, keep trying to have these conversations that bring them out of their shell a little bit and try and get them talking. I'm not a medical professional, so I can't really give too much advice in and around that area. But there are people that are trained as mental first aiders, mental health first aiders. Uh, there are counsellors, psychologists. There are charities such as Looseheads. They are all easily accessible. They have websites. Uh, I think it's looseheads.co.uk. And you can just jump on there, send them an email, get on social media and reach out for help. If you see somebody struggling go and ask a professional exactly how you think you should approach this subject. My job is just to raise awareness in and around that area. And, and by doing this podcast, hopefully we can get anybody can reach out to the professional organizations or the professional charities. They'll know how to help and they'll, they'll go out their way to make this a pain-free and as easy process as possible. For the people that understand they're struggling, this service is there for you. It can be totally anonymous. You can give them a call, you can reach out. All these people will respect your privacy and your confidentiality. They're just there to listen and to then maybe make a plan in order to help you give you the tools to try and improve your mental wellbeing. Finally, I just wanted to ask, you mentioned at the beginning about how there are some changes that you think still need to be made or that you maybe would like to see in this sport. So what are those challenges? What work do you think still needs to be done? I can only really talk about professional rugby. Um, from what I've seen coming through with, with the processes. I think what Leicester did was incredible by having a sports psychologist 
within camp he would come in one two days a week what i'd like to see is these professional organizations employing full-time psychologists one that knows the team knows the boys knows their behaviors knows their patterns understands their pressures what makes them tick i think that would be a start having a sports psychologist there within an environment where you're meant to excel that's a that that's a starting point it gives boys an out it gives them a place to talk it gives them a place to to share their feelings in and to understand what doesn't just help them on the field to make them better what can actually help them as a whole within their within their world and their environment when they go back to their families or when they go back to to anywhere else i don't really understand or, or know what needs to be done all the time we're we're very very early on a long long on road and i don't think it's a road that will ever end the most important thing at the moment is people are talking about it people are accepting it and people are trying to help each other and i think that is the three pillars that it's a start great thank you so much nice one thank you Thank you to Guy Thompson and thanks for listening to the Bailiwick podcast. Keep up with all the latest news by visiting bailiwickexpress.com or reading our sister publication, the JEP. More next week from me, Kelly Frost and the rest of the team.